Amen. Well, we are going to, we are in a series right now that is actually on Salvation Brings. How many have been enjoying this uh, series on Salvation Brings? Uh, I think we have another, I think there's another week or so on this, and then we're going to go into Easter. And uh, just as a reminder, guys, we have a, we have a Holy Thursday uh, service. So it's going to be here, uh, right here at the Serbian Center. I believe it start, doors open at 7, and the service starts at 8, it's going to go until 9.30. And we're just, we just believe it's going to be a, a night, uh, you know, on surrendering and just entering into God's presence. And I believe that there's going to be breakthroughs. It's going to be right at the end of our of our uh, 40 day, you know, the fast that we've been working with. And, uh, and then we come right back here, we have Good Friday that is gonna be following up, as well as uh, Easter Sunday. So it's gonna be a, a great weekend. You guys excited about that? I think it's exciting. It's the first time we've ever done something on a Thursday evening, and so we're really looking forward uh, to all of that as it, as it all comes together, amen? Right, so uh, Pastor, Michael and Elva are going to be ministering the word of the Lord. You guys can come on up right now. Yes, they do. And uh, they are ready to deliver the word of the Lord. Amen? It's all you. Good morning. Mike 4 is the one that Elva's going to use. I just wanted to let all of you know that. Forgot to bring a second shirt, Elva. I feel like I'm back preaching in Uganda again, just covered in sweat. In Uganda, they say, if you didn't sweat, you didn't preach good enough. You keep sweating, you keep preaching. Mark Davey, is, uh, he was here a few weeks ago. He's the uh, evangelist I preach with and I work with at Global Harvest. And I used to make jokes because we would preach at crusades in Uganda and he would wear these shirts. And you could tell how far through the crusade we were based on the sweat line. Once it hit the belt line, we were wrapping up. Get ready for the altar call. And now I feel like him, and now I, it's all coming back to me. Uh, we're so excited to be here today to be talking to you. We're Mike and Elva. We are, uh, we, you know, we're, we're uh, me and Elva are very different people. <laughs> and, yep. yeah, and so when we were trying to, to start how we were going to preach, we were, well, the first time we tried to preach, we tried to preach just like me twice in two different bodies. Uh, and what we realized is that actually, like, we preach to each other all the time. We have conversations. We have conversations. Godly conversations. <laughs> <laughs> and so what we were talking about today, when we were, we were talking about this message, and we were like, how are we going to preach this message? I said, you know what I think we're going to do? I think we're going to encourage the church to join us in our kitchen conversation about how we talk to each other. Because, you know, like... We've been preaching on the road. We preach out in Uganda for a year. We were preaching, um, we preach here all the time. And the thing is, is that when I write my messages, Elva's pretty much like my co-author. She's like my ghost, ghost writer uh, author on all of my messages. And so now I get to invite the, uh, the shadowy figure behind the, uh, the mystery. The woman behind the man. The woman behind the man. Beside. Beside. Beside Thank you. Um, so we're talking about Salvation Brings Identity, and um, we've been talking about the Salvation Series, and so we want to talk about um, identity. So maybe, Elva, you can kind of talk to me and the church about, you know, wh wh where we kind of started from. What's our starting point? So, uh, so last week, mm -hmm. we talked about, Pastor Mike Giacobelli talked about uh, a new name, your identity, who you are, 
So we're gonna, we're gonna revisit that from a different perspective. So we're gonna talk about who were we, past tense. Who we were is we were, and this is gonna get a little depressing. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of Ds. So don't leave early. <laughs> we were depraved, destitute, hopeless, dead. That's what the Bible says, the state of mankind, the human condition, it's not a very happy one. Mm -hmm. And you don't, like, you don't have to read the Bible to know that. You can just turn on the news, you can encounter another human being, and you know <laughs> that this world is a broken, fallen world, and we were utterly hopeless. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's funny, it's one of those things where I was thinking about like this really deep analytical thought about like who were we and I, I wanted to get into like, you know, the depravity of man and the corruption of sin and all the bloodlines and then, you know, and, and we were separated from God and we were all of these things. And then the thing I realized is that like when you're dead, that's kind of like the big red letters over the entire portfolio, right? It's just like when it's dead, that's about all that matters. You know, well, what was that guy like? Well, he's dead now, you know, and that's kind of the overarching theme. And, and you know, Ephesians 2, Paul is writing and verse one, and he says to the church, he says, you were dead in the trespasses and sins. You see, when he says it, it's extremely final. And the reason why it's important that we recognize that the death that we had before salvation, before Christ is final, is because if we don't understand the finality of the death, then it makes us think that there was a hope or a chance that we might be able to do something on our own terms. In our own strength. Mm-hmm because we're not quite dead. Right. But we are quite dead. We are quite dead. <laughs> yeah. Good. So sin had corrupted mankind in its entirety. So we see that, we see that uh, even if you look at the, the Bible stories, you see that uh, there's even a point where God says he's grieved that he even made mankind. And that's the story of Noah with the flood. And he starts over. And the promise of the rainbow that he's not going to do that again. So, but... The, the state of humankind was so corrupted, but he needed to, he had a plan. We talked about, this is my story. They talked about it, we sang it. I really feel like that's the theme today. This is my story, this is your story. The Bible is your story. It's the story of mankind. It's the story of God injecting himself into your story, mm -hmm. saying you were dead in your trespasses and sins. You are hopeless, but I'm gonna come in and I'm gonna change your story. So he chooses one man and he creates a nation out of that man as an example to the world. But even that nation could not walk righteously. Mm -hmm. Even with the law, even with the revelation that they had in the Old Testament, they still could not walk righteously. They were still unable by their works to to be a righteous people. So we look at Romans 3, 9 to 10. This is New Testament. And it says, what then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, that's our category, because back then that was the world, the Jews and the Greeks. So both the Jews, the chosen people, and all other people are under sin. As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. Yeah, see, the, 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 the whole the law with the Jewish people, what that was, was that was really a case study 
for the world on the inability for, the, for man with the law to be able to live righteously and fully to the potential that God had designed man to do. When he rolled out the law, you have to understand, there was rituals, there was clean, there was unclean, there was specific people that were chosen for specific things. He would raise up a prophet for a certain generation. He would raise up a king for a certain generation. But all of those things that he was doing, they were all showing the ineptitude, uh, uh, not the ineptitude, but the, the inability for the law to set people free. You understand that the, the design that God made for Adam and Eve in the garden, they, he did not get that back. He did not get that communion back with people through the law. The only way he was able to do that was by getting rid of the sin, and the only way he was able to permanently get rid of the sin in the bloodline of people is to get rid of the person that was messing up that bloodline. And that's why Paul talks to us when he talks about the second Adam. And the reason why he says that is because you're no longer birthed from an Adamite bloodline, which was corrupted and sin and full of garden that was working through the law to try to get right through however they could. But instead, you were now coming out of a new bloodline, a new generation, a new gener you're going from a generational curse to a generational blessing, and you're moving into that new thing. You understand that basically the entire struggle of the Jewish people to be reconciled with God was a case study for us in the church, us in the new covenant, to be able to see how much better and how much per perfect our relationship can be with God because of the sacrifice of Jesus, which kind of brings us to our next point is, you know, we know who we were. We were dead. We were without hope. We were cut off completely. Uh, you know, if you were a Jew, you could say, well, I was a chosen person. At least we had some type of, of remedy that we might be able to, which Paul said, well, you're still not able to get there. You know, and the Gentiles, we were completely missed out of the entire conversation. But what happened was, was that when Jesus got involved, he changed everything, amen? And so when we talk about identity, we know what our identity was, but really the next point of it is that we can't talk about what our identity is until we talk about who Jesus was and who Jesus is. So it's a popular, it was a popular question during those times when Jesus was um, walking around. Even Jesus asked the apostles who they thought he was. It was like a who do you think I am kind of moment. And in Matthew 16, verses 13 to 17, we'll read this together. Um, now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea, Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say you're John the Baptist. Others say Elijah and others Jeremiah or maybe one of the prophets. And Jesus said to them, but who do you say that I am? Now, Simon Peter replied, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who's in heaven. Go ahead, Oliver. So you see there, he asked them, who do people say the son of man is? You see that the first thing they go to is the familiar, the natural, well, prophet is not technically natural, but it is where their natural minds went. It's stuff that they've seen before. They'd seen prophets. They'd seen signs and wonders. They'd seen Elijah. They'd seen all these crazy things. So they go straight to what they know. Mm -hmm. Jesus is one of those things that they've seen before. But Jesus wants to show them that he's not just what you've seen before. He is a new and unexpected thing. Mm -hmm. So then he says to them, who do you say that I am? Now, these are the people that spent every day with him. 
that didn't just see the signs and wonders, but they saw like the Jesus that was, you know, praying in the garden, the Jesus that was tired and going to sleep, that Jesus, the, the human heart of Jesus. He says to him, who do you say that I am? And you can see that, uh, that Peter's answer here, always quick to answer, he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. So that's not a normal answer because we know that the disciples were hoping for a political savior. They were hoping for someone who would throw off the oppressive regime. Mm -hmm. They were in a really dire situation. They were a nation under the Romans. They weren't free. Mm -hmm. And so all this Messiah talk, what they had in mind was a natural savior. But God wanted to do so much more than that. Yeah, and you know, what's really cool about that too is, is that, you know, up until this point, Jesus had not yet died and been buried and raised again. When Jesus died, was buried and raised again, the amount of prophetic fulfillment that happened in those three days was significantly greater than a lot of other things that you would have seen up until that point. So you can almost understand how different teachers of the law and different people would think, well, it's another Elijah, it's another Jeremiah. They didn't realize they were living in the New Testament, okay? <laughs> they just thought that there was another prophet that might be coming up or another person. Elijah, he was doing big things. Elisha was doing big things. Daniel, David, like they, all of these different guys that were doing amazing things, preaching amazing, doing all these things. So you can understand how they might have thought, well, this isn't necessarily the Messiah. This might just be like, uh, just like John the Baptist or someone who does, you know, amazing things or has lots of followers or, or maybe he's going to be the next prophet and he's going to tell us about, you know, the Messiah. And, um, but Peter, when he was confronted with the question, when he asked him, who do you say that I am? Peter said, you're not a prophet. You're not a, you are the son of the living God. And he says, only the spirit of the Lord could reveal that to you because by all other intents and purposes, you know, other than really when you see the, at the baptism, when the dove came upon him, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. But really outside of that realm, a lot of the stuff he was doing was very similar to what a lot of the prophets were doing. But that makes sense because those prophets in the Old Testament, everything that they were doing was a foreshadowing of Jesus. You know what I'm saying? It was almost like when you go to a movie and you watch the commercial and then you watch the trailer and then you watch the next trailer and then the movie starts and you ask yourself, is this a trailer for another movie or is this actually the movie I came to see, right? And it's like people were thinking this was just the next trailer, but it's like, no, man, the trailers were done. This is the movie that you guys were waiting for, you know? And so Peter goes, no, man, this isn't another trailer. This is another coming soon. This is it. This is what we've been waiting for. Go ahead. But if you think about it, he wasn't even broadcasting it. He was actually like every miracle that he did, he's like, don't tell anyone. He's like, he goes and he, to the wedding. The first one, his mom's like, hey, you can fix this. He's probably seen him do all sorts of things growing up. Who knows? Mm -hmm. So she's like, hey, you can fix this. And he's like, it's not my time. And then he goes and he, he heals a leper and he's like, don't tell anyone. He's like, so he's like going around. And he told everybody. Yeah, he told everybody. Disobedience. But, like, <laughs> <laughs> but Jesus is like actively keeping his identity under wraps mm -hmm. here. So for the, the fact that the Holy Spirit like revealed this, to Peter, that this was not just a man, that this was God, the son of the living God in the flesh. Mm -hmm. It's just amazing. Yeah, and you know, we want to go through in Acts 2, verse 22. 
At this point in time, Jesus had died. He's been buried for three days. He's raised again. Hallelujah. He's finished his ministry. Now the apostles are meeting. Jesus has left. We've seen the transfiguration. We see that the, the, the apostles are meeting, and it's the day of Pentecost. It's when the Spirit of the Lord fell onto the people. We see it in the early chapters of Acts. And then we see that Peter goes out after the falling of Pentecost, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon Peter at the time of Pentecost, and he goes out, and he speaks to the people. And he says, men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. As you know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore, verse 26, my, hope, my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades, hallelujah, or let your Holy One see corruption. You've made known to me the path of life, You'll make me full of gladness with your presence. Now, Peter was preaching to the people about what they missed, what happened as a firsthand witness. Now, he's speaking to many people who had witnessed what was going on with the raising of, of Jesus, and a lot of them are going, that wasn't just a prophet, okay? And so now, Peter quotes out the prophetic from David from the Old Testament. He quotes it out and says, this is what was happening in your midst. And he finishes it with this, and then we're gonna talk more about this. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us, being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, one of the descendants of David, who was Jesus, Jesus, son of David through the lineage, um, through Bethlehem. Uh, he, uh, I shouldn't have stopped and now I lost myself. Oh, he was dying and buried his doom. Uh, therefore a prophet knowing God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne. He foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor his flesh would see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and we are all witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. Walk us through that, Alva. Right, so this is, like, this is just after 40 days, but like, just after the crucifixion. And he's talking to the people that were involved. Like they were all there, the whole crowd shouted, crucify him. Like this was a joint effort. It was a corporate execution. And so he's talking to them and he's saying who Jesus really is. And it says the response, actually the response is that they were cut to the heart. Mm -hmm. They said, what should we do? And he says, repent, be baptized mm -hmm. and believe and be saved. And 3,000? 3,000 3, people accepted Jesus that day. But what you've got here is he's talking to, to the Jewish people about David. Now, hundreds of years before any of this happens, David is talking about Jesus Christ. He's saying, you are always with me. You will not abandon my soul to Hades, to the grave, or let your Holy One see corruption. Another translation says, rot in the grave. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's Jesus right there. He's not talking about himself. Like, like he says after, he says, David both died and was buried and his tomb is with us today. But you've just seen a man raised from the dead. 
was it 400 witnesses? Yeah, hundreds. Many, hundreds of witnesses saw Jesus. He was walking around walking for a around. while. And not just Jesus, mm-hmm. others raised from the dead. Mm-hmm. This is an event. This is an epic event. And so he's saying, this is God, the Messiah. Yeah, and you know, the thing that I really find really interesting is you have to remember Peter, up until this point in time, like Peter was, whenever Jesus talked to Peter, Peter was pretty confident. Does anybody else have people like that where, where when you talk to them and it's like one-on-one, they're a certain way, but then as soon as they're like in front of other people, they're completely, completely opposite? And so Peter, like whenever Jesus was like, Peter, you know, you know, Jesus on the water, and Peter's like, if you call me, I'll come out in the water, Mr. Brave, right? I'm going to jump out of the boat, you know? And then, uh, and then we see, you know, Peter's like, oh, I'll die for you. You know, he's doing all these awesome things. Whenever Impulsive. it's him and Jesus, he's, he's really deep with him. But then when, Jesus, when Peter goes out and he's separated from Jesus, when Jesus gets taken away, then all of a sudden the little girl's like, aren't you one of his disciples, right? And he, he, uh, he uh, pretends no. he doesn't know Jesus three times before the rooster crows as Jesus you know, foretold. Same Peter, Same Peter that had the revelation that Jesus is the son of the living God. Same Peter. He recognized it. He recognized it. He had the revel- revelation. He didn't walk in it in that moment. But see, there was a difference, though, between Peter before Pentecost and there was a Peter after Pentecost, because before Pentecost, Peter said, Jesus, I'll do whatever you want. But then when faced with the people, oftentimes wasn't able to perform. He wasn't able to go ahead and start walking out the identity that Jesus had told Peter when he said, on this rock, I'm going to build my church. That was almost laughable at that point, because Peter was the most emotionally and erratic person that really couldn't be relied upon in any of those situations. The only time maybe really, we can relate a little bit. Maybe we can sometimes. relate. I don't know. You know, I don't know if anybody else is like me. I mean, Peter. And, um, you know, and so, and, and, you know, so he has this, but after Pentecost, after Jesus had been raised up, Peter's understanding of who Jesus was did not change before the crucifixion or after. However, Peter changed after Jesus' resurrection. Why? Because at the day of Pentecost, Jesus said, Jesus said before Pentecost, he said, it's better that I leave for I send for you a comforter. We're gonna talk about that in a second. But on the day of Pentecost, Peter started living like Jesus instead of Peter who was living like Peter. Nothing changed mentally. Before, Peter, before the spirit came onto Peter, he knew Jesus was the son of God. After the spirit came, he still knew Jesus was the son of God, but he was able to cut to the hearts of people. He was able to be bold and courageous and speak to people. Why? Because he was no longer living like Peter. He was now living in the identity of Jesus. You understand that salvation, when it brings identity, it doesn't bring us to be you know, the best version of ourselves. It brings us to be the most like Jesus. So that brings us to our third point. Who were we meant to be? So we were saved, filled by spirit, for his glory and his purposes. Mm -hmm. It's not just like a get into heaven card. Like there is a purpose here. God has a purpose on your life. He created you for a reason and he saved you for his glory and his purposes. Ephesians 2 verse 4 says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Skipping ahead to verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. 
So there's, that's your reason right there. We are created in Christ Jesus, in. Which reminds me of when he, Jesus talks about his identity. He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I'm in the Father, he's in me, and I am in you. Mm-hmm. He says, you are in me. Mm-hmm. There's a unity. We are in Christ Jesus, mm-hmm. created for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So we're going to be talking about walking in them. Yeah, so, you know, I love how in Paul, Paul in Ephesians 5, um, really, he, he really summed it up well. I know the PowerPoint's not down. If you didn't bring a Bible, this is a prophetic understanding that you need to bring your Bibles on Sundays. <laughs> We're going to talk You're about welcome. that, too. You're <laughs> welcome. Uh, I'm just kidding, but I'm not. Bring your Bibles. <laughs> Ephesians 5, 1 to 2. <laughs> Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. I love that. Be imitators of God. You know, why do we call ourselves Christians? Christians literally mean of Christ, like Christ. We are like Christ when we say that we are a Christian. We are a follower of Christ. And Paul says, don't just be a follower, but be an imitator as children. And I really love that example because, you know, what, so everybody here knows what it's like when you've got a child around and then they've got, a, they've got a parent, you know, either you were a child or whatever, and you remember that it's very easy, especially growing up, that you're going to imitate what you see, right? It's like the parents always say, do as I say, not as I do. Good luck. They're going to do exactly what you do because children imitate parents, right? It's really weird to have a little person repeating phrases back to you that you know that you say all the time and you hear the little one saying it and you're like "Ooh, that doesn't sound so good yeah (laughs) that's why i call everything a ding dong now because it's the only one i can get away with all right so but so our our first kind of like sub point is is like walking with uh imitating like christ being who we're meant to be in christ it starts with walking like christ we're equipped appointed, anointed to do the same things Christ did while he was here. We don't just imitate him with, with uh, reading our Bible. We don't just imitate in prayer. We don't just imitate in study, but we imitate literally on how we walk through this lifetime. Yeah, so I'm gonna bring this in to the Great Commission because that's a very definitive example of him telling you exactly what you're gonna do. Mm-hmm. So he says, go, and, uh, and make disciples. So that's what Jesus wants to do. He sent his disciples out. He sent them out when he was still there. He equipped them to do the works that he was doing. And they went out without him. They were sent. And they performed miracle signs and wonders. Jesus is very explicit that he wants those things to be part of your life. Mm-hmm. They're not gone. They haven't gone by the wayside. That is exactly what Jesus expects of you as a Christian to live like Jesus lived, to have faith, to stir up your faith, to pray for people who need healing. And then he says to you, he says in John 14, 12, he says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. So he's referring right there to the work of the Holy Spirit. Right. He's going to the, whole, he's going to the Father and the Holy Spirit is coming, and he's empowering you to do the works, even greater works, greater works than what Jesus did. Mm-hmm. Just think of all the things you know that Jesus did, all the miracles, all the signs and wonders. 
raising people from the dead. He has equipped you. That same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside you. And you got to even remember, too, is that that it wasn't just talking about specific people. He recognized that the church was going to be birthing and building and growing. And so when he said, greater things will you do, he was even just talking about the vast number because Jesus being both fully God and fully man, but Jesus' ministry was wherever he was going. But Jesus recognized that he would not be able to go to every single part of the earth within his ministry as a man. But when he came and he brought the spirit of the Lord down at Pentecost and that the apostles and that the early church, that the spirit came down on them and then that they went out and started to grow and they had disciples and they went and the spirit went on to them it reminds me of the time when Samson took the foxes and he lit the the tails on fire and sent them out into the fields and it was just like a multiplicative uh, 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 fire that was going out to every different way and so what was Jesus saying he was like listen I, I, if I'm here with you guys, we're just going to kind of be together and go to where we're going to go. But when I leave, the Spirit's going to come upon you, and you guys are going to multiply. That's why the Great Commission was to go out and make disciples. Why? Because disciples make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. And that was going to be the way that the church was going to be built, was by the Spirit coming down on people who would go out and start living like Christ. Amen? Mm-hmm. So we're going to keep moving along. So... Um, we should not only walk like Christ um, and, the, and the way and walk through things, but we should be talking like Christ. We are to tell people about God and his love for us. In 1 Peter 2 verse 9, uh, Peter says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. In the KJV, it says a peculiar people, which I really enjoy that word, that you may proclaim, that you may speak, that you may talk, that you may yell out the excellences of him, excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Elva, how do we talk like Jesus? So if you want to talk like Jesus, it might be a good idea to know what he said. So reading your Bible, sometimes, now this is, uh, this is just the way that some people live their lives, but sometimes the only Bible that you ever get exposure to is Sunday morning. So that's like coming to get your tank all filled up on Sunday, and that's great, but you can't coast through the rest of the week on fumes. That's right. God wants you in his word, listening or reading. We have audio Bibles now. If reading is really difficult for you, you can go beyond that. My mom couldn't read English. She listened to the audio Bible over and over and over again. She got the word deep inside. Mm -hmm. You need to get the word deep inside because whatever's inside comes out. That's right. So you want to talk like Jesus. You got to know what he said. He said a lot of crazy things. So just thinking of Jairus' daughter. He shows up, Jairus' daughter, uh, they asked him to come and heal her because she was sick. But she's died. So he comes and they're like, oh, you're too late. She's dead. And he says, no, she's sleeping. She's sleeping. It's okay. So he, what he's doing there, obviously we know he went in, he raised her back to life. What he's doing there is he's speaking about the supernatural. So sometimes we say things like, oh, no, it's dead. That's our natural. In our natural, our situation is really dire. There's no coming back from it. Whatever you're going through, your finances, your marriage, it's dead. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is saying, let me put my supernatural onto your natural. So we got to talk like Jesus. We got to talk like the supernatural. Yeah, I think the other thing that I always remember myself is that 
negative thinking, stinking thinking, when the devil starts speaking, whatever, the greatest uh, uh, advocate is what Jesus said in the Bible, and the Bible tells us that he quickens to our spirit, and so it is very difficult for you to be speaking out the promises of God if you haven't spent time reading and understanding what the promises were and accepting and receiving those into your life. However, you know, you have to understand, Jesus, as a man, did this exact thing. The Bible tells us that he grew in stature. It says that he grew, it says that he learned, that he went to the synagogue. It says that he was spending time in the Bible. I believe that he studied, that he grew, that he raised. He would go to the temples. It says the teachers were amazed and astounded by the understanding and discernment that he had. But it says that he had to grow, he had to learn, he had to read it. And so when he goes into the wilderness, you know, for those 40 days and the devil is coming in and attacking, every time the devil attacked Jesus with something, he responded with, it is written. He didn't tell him about the self-help book he didn't read. He didn't tell him about the new diet he's had, which is less inflammatory and helps your brain better. You know, he didn't tell about the nine hours of sleep. Everything he responded to the devil in those minutes and those times and those hours of tribulation, everything he responded to was what was written in the Bible. If you wanna speak like Christ, you first have to know what Christ said and you have to recognize that Jesus it, and that the word, that he was the word, you know, and, and that the, the Bible, you have to literally get to the point. How does, a, how does a man keep his way pure? By hiding his, your word deep within my heart. Amen? You need to get into the Bible, and it's not just about you trying to understand what God said to different people then. It's because you need to know what God is saying to you right now. It is for you. And... When we, so we understand how we have to walk like Christ. We need to be walking out and living out the life that he lived. We need to be talking like Christ. We need to be speaking the word forth. We need to be speaking the supernatural into the natural. We need to be telling people about Jesus. We need to be telling people about the Savior that came in case they missed the trailer, okay? And the last thing we really need to do is we need to think like Christ. You know, Paul writes to the church in the Philippines, exhorting them to be like-minded, that is of one mind after the example of Jesus. It is a noble pursuit for Christians today to be of one mind. Now that doesn't mean to be of one opinion, okay? That doesn't mean to be of one understanding, but to be of one mind means to be thinking and, and having a vision for a singular thing. Division literally means two visions. But when the spirit comes into the church and into the congregation and people have the mind of Christ, it's not, you're not gonna have division and two visions because the Holy Spirit is not a schizophrenic, okay? He has one vision and that vision for the church is to move forward in a singular direction. And so the, when we as a church think like Christ, we are naturally going to move like Christ and talk like Christ and do what Christ set us to do. So let's just read that scripture, Philippians 2, verses one to eight because it gives you, um, it actually gives you a really good example of how to be of the same mind. You might think, hey, yeah, the Bible says be of the same mind, but how, how do I actually do that? Mm -hmm. So it says here, Philippians two, verses one to eight. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do, not, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. 
Let each of you not only look to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So before we go into that, I just want to quickly address that one verse there. Two minutes left. I'll do it quickly. <laughs> Sorry. It says here, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Sometimes this is incredibly misconstrued right. by the world. Yep. When you're not biblically literate, you, <laughs> you might not understand what this means. It is not saying that Jesus was not equal with God. It is saying that Jesus, who had equality with God, who is equal with God, did not see his position of power as something that he should hold on to and protect at all costs, something to grasp. This is what humans do. This is what we do. Every time we find ourselves in a position of power over somebody else, we hold on to it like with a death grip. So he said, no, I'm going to release this. I'm going to humble myself. So how do we be of the same mind? It's about humility. It's about counting others as more significant than yourself. Following Christ's example. This is exactly what Christ did. Christ knew he was the son of God. He was a member of the Trinity. He was all powerful being both God and man. And yet he went to the cross that we might be reconciled back to the father, right? <coughs> Excuse me. And the thing that we need to understand is that salvation brings identity. What does it mean? It means that your identity before Christ was dead. Four red letters, D-E-A-D, final, without hope, over, buried, gone, done. We're together? Great. Who was Jesus? Jesus was the answer to all of that deadness. He was the impossible. He was the impossible made possible. He was the supernatural into the natural. He was the life speaking to the death. Just as he pulled Lazarus out of the tomb, so did he pull us out of the tomb of death and sin so that we might be able to live again. And that once he did that, not only did he bring us into life, but he brought us into purpose in him, to walk in him, to walk like him, to talk like him, to think in him. What does it mean to walk? It means to be acting out and walking out the ways that Christ walked on the earth. What does it mean to talk? It means to be speaking the way Jesus spoke, speaking the word, speaking the supernatural, telling people about Jesus. And what does it mean to think, to set your mind, having your mind on those things above, not on those things below, to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of those other things are, are, are to follow. It means to think more so of those around you than for yourself, counting others more significant than you are. Why? Because when you operate in humility, it is going to be impossible to leave people behind. And you are going to push forward together and bring people together because you are pushing people, not pulling people, and you are beside people. How can two walk together unless they're in one accord? Amen. And we see that in Galatians 2, Peter, uh, Paul wraps it up completely. He says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You understand that when Paul said that, what he was saying is the identity of Paul, he's dead. 
he's gone. I have crucified whatever I had, whatever I had within me, I've crucified that dead thing. But now I'm alive in Christ. My identity, the, sal- the identity that comes with salvation is not Michael again, Michael live, it's Jesus. The identity that comes for Elva is not that Elva is no longer dead, it's that now Jesus is alive and so that she can walk like Jesus, talk like Jesus, think like Jesus. Why? Because we have been made alive in Jesus. You understand? You are not able to be alive outside of Christ. You might say, well, I don't know if Christ can operate in my life. My friend, you were only saved that Christ could be operating in your life. That's the only reason why you were saved was that you could be saved in Christ, that you can walk like Christ, that you can talk like Christ, that you can think like Christ. And when you start doing those things that are not like Christ, it's because you are starting to put yourself back on the cross and you're going back into the tomb and you're going back into an identity that is no longer uh, relevant and applicable to your life. You are not that person. You are more identified with who Jesus is than who you were. You with me? We're gonna pray for you. We're gonna close up. We're gonna pray for you, we're gonna close up. We believe that salvation brings a new identity. When I go into work, they stop me at the door and they say, let me see your ID card. They see me every day, they know who I am, but they have to check my ID card because that's the only way they're gonna let me in the building. And when I pull out my ID card and they see who it is, they say, you have access to this building, you have access to the things of this building, you are allowed to be in here. My friends, when you come into the saving grace and the knowledge of salvation because of the power of Jesus, because of the sacrifice he did on the cross, when you do that thing, you get an ID card and it no longer says who you are. It doesn't say when you were born, it doesn't say what your blood type was, it doesn't say who your father was, it doesn't say who your mother was, it doesn't say where you were born from, it doesn't say what you were born with. It doesn't say anything on that ID card. The only thing that is said on that ID card is Jesus because you were created in Jesus. You are a son of God. You are not a slave. You are not a servant, but you are a child of the living God. You have been welcomed into the citizenship of heaven and the covenant of Christ. The identity that comes with salvation is Jesus reigning and ruling in every area of your life. Go ahead and pray, Elba. Father God, we just, uh, we come before you today humbled by your work on the cross, that you brought us from death to life, mm-hmm. Lord God. And we just, we, we thank you, we're so grateful mm-hmm. for that saving work that you did, yeah. that we are not who we were, that we are not the things that we did. That's right. We are your workmanship, created mm-hmm. for your glory, for your goodness. Mm-hmm. In Christ Jesus, mm-hmm. Lord, we pray that there would be less of me than more of you mm-hmm. in our lives this morning. Mm-hmm. So every person here, God, we just we speak a blessing over these people that they would get the revelation of who you are, that you are the son of the living God, mm-hmm. and that the same power that rose you from the grave mm-hmm. lives in you, that you can walk like Christ, that you can talk like Christ, and that you can think like Christ. Hallelujah. Be blessed in Jesus' name. God loves you and we love you. Have an awesome Sunday. Welcome to the After Nine Show. Yes, welcome. 
for those of you just joining us, maybe it's a Wednesday and you're just tuning in. Today we're going to be talking about Salvation Brings Identity. Yes. That's the message from uh, April 3rd. Yes. April 3rd. <laughs> and it was um, preached by Pastor, well, they don't want to say preached. What do they say? Teached us. Taught by <laughs> Pastors Michael and Elva Quinlan. So yes. that's what we're here talking about today. Yes. And Casey, first thoughts. What did you, What were your first thoughts on the message? It was great to kind of get that perspective too of how who we were mm -hmm. um, before they talked into who we yeah. and and who we can be. Yeah. And you know we were all the awful things that we sometimes want to creep back in because our sinful nature and the sin in the world is around us all the time. That's right. And they're the people that you speak with and it's people that are in our life. You can kind of see it. But who we are in our identity in Christ, we are to be dead to that old man. Yeah. And we accept Jesus in our hearts. And, you know, for some of us that have been Christians for a very long time, God has really been revealing this to me over the last little while because he had, had kind of told me that until I understand my identity is in who God created me yeah. to be, I will always try and I will always fail at living up to something that I shouldn't be. That's right. And when I know who I am in God, which is a process, it doesn't happen overnight. Mm -hmm. It's not a bam, I know exactly what God wants. Sometimes it is, and yeah. that's fantastic. But sometimes it's a slow progression into who God is revealing to you of who you are because he has a special plan for you. And when we die to our natural self, then our supernatural of the Holy Spirit can take over and do the things that he is needing us to do. That's awesome. That's awesome, Case. Well, let's bring in our guest. <laughs> yes. The tan man. Look how tan you are. Good. We're great. It's nice to see you. It's nice to see you. Nice to see you. Come on see in you. here. You have to stand on. Yeah, yeah, that's your spot. Always. Oh. <laughs> you have to stand on the line. Tell my wife. I got sandwiched between two beautiful ladies. Oh, don't tell her that. <laughs> <laughs> How are you, Pastor Dave? I think I'm okay. You can't. You they can't cover this part. Sorry. Okay. You should know. You are okay. good. Well, you well we were talking that. about first thoughts of the message. What were your first thoughts? Like a quick summary. Uh. My first thought was this. You know, the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things right. pass away, all things become new. Yes. You don't hear a whole lot of people elaborate on that. Yeah. That's right. Now, you know, they, you don't, don't. they don't elaborate on it, you know what I mean? Um, I had a friend of mine, and he, had, he made this statement. He says, you become a new creature with new features that never existed before. Whoa, yeah. you know, that never existed before. So, That's right. you know, I thought that was a, a pretty good statement. And, and it's, it stands true today as it was back then. Yeah. When you become a Christian, yeah. the old person dies, the new person begins to live. That's right. You know, and that's just the way it goes. I love that. I was, I was doing some studying this, uh, this week. Pastor Sherry and I are working on a message for Good Friday. And the scripture that kept standing out to me was that he said that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Yep. What is that, John 10.10? 10? Is that Something John? Like that. Yep. But I have come that you may have life. life. But the part that I love is that it says, 
you may have life more abundantly. And I know that when you read the Bible, anytime they duplicate something, like when they say, Lord, Lord, or they say something twice in a row, I know that there's an emphasis on that point. So I just want to, um, based on what we were listening to today, I know Elva said it's, it's depressing what we were like before, but it's true. It is depressing. But now it's moving forward to say that not only are we saved and we have a new identity and we have all these great things, but we have life and we have it more abundantly, yes. you know? So I think it was great what Pastor Michael said, live that out. Don't, don't live in the tomb. Don't live like in the past. Live this out today. Yes, it's a man, that's a big amen for me. Um, the Bible says that God looked down upon the children of men yeah. and seen that the thoughts and the intents of man's heart was only evil continually. You remember that verse? Yep. Don't ask me where Don't it's at. Don't ask me where it's at now. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and the Bible says we're dead in trespasses and sins. In other words, there's no spiritual life in you. Right. There was none. And I'm not an ounce. You couldn't even think good. No. You couldn't think like God. No. Because you were so dead inside spiritually, you know. Yeah. And then when Jesus came along and gave us life and more abundant life, all of a sudden we become a lot. You know, but um, have I got some time here? You, you go ahead. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know what? It's funny. You know, I sit there and listen to these guys, and I don't know which one I enjoy the most, but I enjoy <laughs> them all the most. But Michael was, and his wife today really, really blew my mind. Um, you know, and God made me think of this. Imagine back in the day yeah. when Henry Ford produced a Model T. Yes. You know, and the Model T came off the line as a plane, Jane. Yeah. There were nothing in it but four wheels and a steering wheel and a motor. But it was amazing at the time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? But that's, that's all it was. There was nothing there, you know? And then, all of a sudden, as time evolved, all of a sudden, we see the model car that we have today some of them will steer for you. Some of them will park for you. Yeah. All the different features that the cars have today. And my daughter, she has a, a, what they call a, a car. Uh, uh, <laughs> I forgot what kind the, of car? I forgot the name. A Genesis. Oh, yes. Oh. A Genesis. Uh, it's it's an it's a SUV, you know. And I'll tell you, I've seen it. She's had all kinds of cars. But this Genesis is the car of all cars. <laughs> You know, it has everything plus. And that's the way God designed us. Yeah. To have every feature that God has intended to give us inside of us so we could act like and be like Jesus. Yes. You know, so, you know, and people want to be a Model T. Yeah. You you know, they, want, they, they want to go back into the 20s and 30s. And oh, I'm okay. You know, as long as I can just get from point A to point B. No, that's not the way God designed you. God designed you to have a lot of features. Yeah. So when we become Christians, we're new creatures with new features. You got to remember that cars progressed over time. Oh, yeah. And, and the Bible, we call it progressive revelation because you take the Model T, the start out, and it will constantly progress the more that you learn, the more your faith grows, oh, yeah. the more things that God reveals to you and changes you and the new things you encounter. It's a progressive. It will never end. That's why you can read the Bible 
thousands of times, but until you're in the right place, in the right time, he will reveal something brand new to you. And it's always, always going forward and always making something new out of something that you never thought was there. Yeah, awesome. absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and it, it doesn't end. It doesn't end. It don't, don't end. And it's, once you think you've arrived, you haven't arrived no, yet. <laughs> no, no, just wait, it's coming. <laughs> when you see all these cars, you know, and what, the car parks? You know, it'll park by itself. You know, it'll drive by itself. You know, oh, yeah, these are all features coming on. I so, feel like saying the word says, what, the word said that? I've never <laughs> read that. Then, nope, you've read the same verse a hundred times. What, yeah. it says that in there? Yeah, it's just you needed to hear it at this place and this time. Oh, yeah, for sure, you know. God loves us, and he wants us to be everything we can be in Christ. Awesome. And Jesus gave himself on the cross. He died on the cross so we could be, Yeah. you know. And, there's uh, this um, there's this quote. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, interrupt no, no, you. No, 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 you didn't. You go You're, ahead. I wanted to touch on this before we got away from Henry Ford. There is this <laughs> quote by Henry Ford that I've always, you know, as someone that wants to always be thinking of new things and thinking that I could do more and that God could challenge me to be more. Um, there's this quote that he says is that, um, I, I'm going to butcher it, but it's basically like, if all people wanted was to go faster, I just would have given them more horses. So <laughs> that's the thing, like, you know, he, he thought this, I know that we're going on cars, but... He thought of this creative, like innovative, out of the water thing that we that wasn't being done. And I think it's the same for our spiritual lives. Like, where what are the areas that we're just settling for horses? You know, like let's let's pick up the word of God. Let's have that quality time with the Holy Spirit. Let's challenge our spiritual selves to live to a greater degree, you know, because even if we have all these features, if we're not using them, if we're disabling everything, then we're we're done for right but god calls us to hire because that's what he wants for us you know like the early church wouldn't have been able to thrive if they didn't have that foundation yes. of having that expectation that we serve a god that raises people from the grave yes that heals lepers that opens blind eyes you know and i think sometimes in the western world we lose sight of that maybe because it's not right in front of our faces but it's remember that read the word he's still the same god right and he talks Amen. about how you know jesus said that we're gonna do more than what he was able to do and we're going to do greater things than he was able to do and you know just look at our society with how fast word spreads yes right that's not something jesus would have never been able to do in his day when they had to travel from town to town walking you know and and the no, word of god can get like look at we're, we're talking to you right now through your tv you know and there's so many things and so many avenues of things that you can do to get outreach so that if you need the word of God in you, there's so many things that you can do to get that because God wants to impart something new in you every day. That's right. That's awesome. You know, um, the Bible says to covet earnestly the best gifts. Oh. Covet them. Hmm? Covet them. Covet them. Don't covet <laughs> Don't covet money, don't covet cars, you know, covet the best gifts, covet the gifts of God. And I can remember back in the day, many years ago, I was coveting the gift of prophecy. I, was, I, I wanted to be able to speak into people's lives, I can remember that. And I went on a, a, a youth uh, training thing and we were in Turkey. And the two guys I ended up working with were two prophets and they both had their head shaped. 
And I didn't know who they were. I didn't know who I, they didn't know who I was. And we walk in the building. And we look and I look at these guys. And they look at me. and They start laughing. And they say, "I realize they've got those guys got to be the prophets, you know." Yeah. No. So I got around them. I got around them. And the spirit of prophecy came on me. Has not left. Wow. I coveted that gift, and and that the spirit of prophecy came on me to such a degree that I would have to go, no, God, don't, I, I don't want to hear no more. You know, <laughs> that's how loud it was. I can't you not, you know. So you can covet God's gifts. And a lot of times people think, oh, that's not, that's not, that's not me. I, I can't. You can. If you think it, you can. If you're beginning to feel it, it's because God's trying to awaken that up in you, you know. Awesome. And, and don't, don't doubt it. So I remember one time I was first saved, I said, I think God wants me to be a teacher. I'm not sure, but I think he wants me to be a teacher, you know. And then all of a sudden, God said to me, don't say, I, say I'm called to be a teacher. <laughs> Uh, so I said, okay, I'm called to be a teacher, you know. And then it began to manifest itself. Yeah. Don't be afraid to speak into existence the things that yes. God has put into your heart because they may, they'll materialize. Yeah. That's Amen. awesome. Oh, that's awesome. Pa thanks so much, Pastor Dave. Thanks for being here. We missed you so much. Yeah, I was away. I was in, 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 I, in I know. Did you miss Florida. us? You're all I 10. Did. No, you I didn't. I did, yes. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Oh, guys, well, we're so happy that you're with us today on I this did. First Sunday of April 2022. Um, we're excited for this year. We're excited for what God's bringing us in our church, in yes. our community, in our in our city, country, nation, all that. So tomorrow, join us at the Lighthouse at 6:40. No, at 7:10. Yes. We'll see you live at the Lighthouse. And then uh, for now, I will be Sarah. That's my friend Pastor Dave and my friend Casey. And we hope you have the best Sunday of your life. We'll see you tomorrow night. God bless you. Bye bye.